Hey there, listener. This is your host of Welcome to the Slaughtered Lamb, Troy. I'd just like to give you a little heads up in the preceding episode. Unfortunately, when I was recording this episode, I had to change locations several times during the recording process. This resulted in a change in the quality of each of the different cuts, which I actually had to splice together. I apologize, but everything you can hear clearly, it just changes from time to time. In the future, I have had this corrected, and I plan not to have it happen again. So thank you for joining me yet again, and welcome to the next episode. Slaughtered Lamb, a movies-by-minute watch of the John Landis written and directed 1981 horror classic An American World from London. I'm your host Troy, and I want to thank you for joining me here on this journey. Before I actually start this episode, I would just like to point out that in the previous minute how I disregarded giving out any information about Rick Baker. Much like the actors that I had talked about in the opening credits, I'm going to do the exact same thing. I believe I'm actually going to wait until an actual Rick Baker moment comes up into the movie to actually talk about Rick Baker. So for today, we're going to break down and examine Minute 3 of An American Werewolf in London. So Minute 3 starts off with the on-screen credits of director of photography, Robert Pantier who's worked with Landis on five films, An American Wolf in London, Trading Places, Thriller, Into the Night, and Spies Like Us. He's actually responsible for helping to create the pop comic book style of American Wolf, Thriller, and Into the Night. He's also made a cameo in three of Landis's productions, Into the Night, Spies Like Us, and Bergen Hire. Next up, we have the credit reading executive producers, David Gubber and John Peters. Followed by that is the credit for, produced by George Folsey Jr., who is an American film producer, editor, assistant director, and cinematographer who frequently worked with Landis in the 1980s, of which he edited and co-edited six of the films. All productions from Schlock in 1973 to The Blues Brothers in 1980, Thriller, and Coming to America. Fosley produced 11 films directed or co-directed by Landis, which include Schlock, The Blues Brothers, all films from American Wolf in London to Coming to America. He was also second unit director collaborator with Landis during his Trading Places, Into the Night, and Three Amigos. His son, editor Ryan Folsley, appears in Landis's first feature film, Schlock, and Folsley's name is mentioned in a scene in Trading Places when Lewis Winthrop gives his coat to the coat attendant and says, Good morning, Folsley. After that, 
we get the on-screen credit reading, Written and Directed by John Landis. He was born August 3, 1950, into a Jewish family in Chicago, Illinois. The son of Shirley Levine and Marshall Landis, an interior designer and decorator, Landis and his parents relocated to Los Angeles, California when he was four months old. Though spending most of his childhood in California, Landis still refers to Chicago as his hometown. When he was a young boy, he watched the movie The Seventh Voyage as a Sinbad, and that is the movie that he claims inspired him to become a director. He began his early film career working as a mailboy at 20th Century Fox. He then worked as a gopher and then as an assistant director during the filming of Kelly's Heroes in Yugoslavia in 1969. During that time, Landis became acquainted with actors Don Rickles and Donald Sutherman, both of whom would work in his films later on. After Kelly's Heroes was done, he worked on several films that were shot in Erg, that were shot in Europe, including Once Upon a Time in the West, El Cordo, and a town called Bastard. He made his directorial debut with the movie Schlock. At the time, he was 21 years old, and the film, which he also wrote and appeared in, is a tribute to monster movies. The gorilla suit in the film was made by Rick Baker, and this was the beginning of the long-term collaboration between the two of them. Even though the movie was completed in 1971, Schlock wasn't actually released in 1973 until after it was it, it had caught the attention of, of all people, Johnny Carson, who, as a fan of the movie, invited Landis onto The Tonight Show and showed a clip to pro help promote it. Since then, it has gained cult following. With that, he was then hired to direct the Kentucky Fried movie after David Zucker saw his Tonight Show appearance. And that is the movie, Kentucky Fried movie, is the first film written by the Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker team who would later then have success with Airplane and the Naked Gun trilogy. So, following up that, Sean Daniels, an assistant to executive Tom Mount at uh, Universal, had seen the Kentucky Fried movie and recommended Landis to direct Animal House, just based on that. And while Animal House had received mixed reviews, it was a massive financial success, it earned over $120 million at the domestic box office, making it the highest grossing film of all time. And it also featured the screen debuts of John Belushi, Karen Allen, and Kevin Bacon. In 1980, Landis co-wrote and directed The Blues Brothers, a comedy starring John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, and featured musical numbers by R&B and soul legends James Brown, Cab Calloway, Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, and John Lee Hooker. It was at one of the time's most expensive films ever made, costing almost $30 million. That brings us to 1981, where he wrote and directed another cult status film, The Horror, An American Wolf in London. It was perhaps Landis' most personal project, 
as they've been planning on making it since 1969, while in Yugoslavia working on Kelly's Heroes. It was another commercial success for Landis and inspired studios to put uh, comedic elements into their horror films. After American World from London, Landis went on to direct or produce or write or sometimes all three or a combination several movies over the next easily two, three decades. Movies that include Coming Soon, Trading Places, Twilight Zone, Into the Night, Spies Like Us, Three Amigos, Amazon Woman on the Moon, Coming to America, Oscar, Innocent Blood, Beverly Hills Cop 3, uh, The Stupids, uh, Blues Brothers 2000, and so forth and so on. He's also racked up quite the amount of acting roles as well. Both some are uncredited or whatnot. He still does appear in the movie. Kelly's Heroes, Schlock, of course, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, Death Race, Kentucky Fried Movie, 1941, The Muppet Movie, which is kind of funny because he actually doesn't appear on screen as himself, but he actually does the puppetry for Grover in the f final sequence, the Rainbow Connection final sequence. Uh, Blues Brothers, American Wolf in London, Eating Raoul, Trading Places, Mopstake Manhattan, Into the Dark, Into the Night, uh, Darkman, Sleepwalkers, and so forth and so on. Just list goes on and on. Now I've mentioned it before. But John Landis is one of those directors who, once I found out who he was, I personally sought out to see everything that I could about him. And that was no more a point of fact than when I saw the making of Michael Jackson's thriller music video. And it was spectacular because my introduction to actually fully watching An American Wolf in London. Michael Jackson had contacted Landis after seeing An American Wolf in London, and the two of them came together to create a short film with a budget much bigger than any other music video at the time, and it was just phenomenal. On it, not only did John Landis work as the director, he worked as a producer and a writer, and a lot of the other people, like George Fosley Jr. worked on this, and Elmer Bernstein worked on this, and Robert Bainter worked for the, on this, and it, the list just goes on and on. He had everyone that he had in his trope of people that work with him, Came on to Thriller, and it's one of the main reasons why it's such an iconic and perfect production. So that about wraps up the opening credits because after John Landis's name disappears from the screen, we see a blue truck coming over the hill, and it starts down towards the camera down a road in the middle of the moors. And when it gets uh, closer, the uh, song Blue Moon starts to fade out, and we hear the engine come up, 
and we hear some sheep making noise in the back of this truck as the camera drops down to meet the truck which comes up to a stop at an intersection and that completes minute three of the movie So the commentary continues on with Griffin Dunn continuing the story about the driver that drove away with the trailer. Uh, he actually took off for about three or four uh, miles and no one could find him. So David asks him, so why do you think he moved it? And it turns out that it was probably the time to return the trailer and that it also had delayed the shooting, them waiting to actually have to get Griffin back to the actual shooting location. So David also points out that uh, the first thing that they told them to do was get into the back of the pickup with the guy that he thought was a local and just drove away. Griffin talks about how he had never auditioned for the, the role and how he had even never done a movie before. Just that he talked to John Landis for about 10 minutes, who just said okay. David Naughton has a little more to say about that as well, but it is in the next minute, so I'll get to that then. This is the final part of the opening credits, where it is three minutes on screen, the actual script is only about two paragraphs. And I've already covered pretty much that in the previous minutes. So in the audio drama side, that after the uh, phone call made to the familiar pub, the caller actually mentions to the unheard receiver that it's Talbot, he's escaped. At that point, the drama then jumps to the corresponding scene in the movie. That moment in the movie isn't until the next minute. So that's about it for the radio drama for now. And that note, looks like we've come to the end of today's episode of Welcome to the Slaughtered Lamb. I would like to give a shout out to the podcast host that started this whole movies by minute phenomenon, Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer from the Star Wars Minute. There wouldn't be the supportive collective without them. As for this podcast, Please be sure to subscribe so that you'll get all the notifications for each new episode. Also, if you want to share and rate with a positive review, that would be cool too. And if you want to follow this podcast on the social medias, you can check out Planet Geek Pod, all one word, on Instagram and Twitter. Plus, you can send an email to planetgeekpod at gmail.com. So until next time, remember, keep off the moors. Stick to the roads. Best of luck. Blue moon.